0: I never really liked old people. They had made me uncomfortable for as long as I could remember. Their trembling hands and creaky voices. I knew it was more than a little bit ridiculous to get so creeped out by them, but man, I couldn't help it. I guess it all started with my great-grandma. That old bird looked every bit as ugly as an overripe apple doll and smelled worse than she looked. She was mean, too. Like, life had handed her lemons, and she decided the best use for them was giving everybody else paper cuts. She died when I was six, and I remember asking my parents at the funeral why Grand Gran was finally smiling. That's enough of the psychological ramblings, though. I'll save the rest for my therapist appointment at four. Let me tell you something, the therapists they give you in a place like this are plucked straight from the bargain bin. Anyway, you were asking about the old nursing home, right? Someone always does. I'm fine with that, though. It helps me keep it all straight in my head. Memory's a funny thing. Time twists around and plays games with your recollection. and That's why I'm happy to share my story with anybody who will listen. Because I could feel time trying to take these memories from me. But the more I retell them, the longer I get to keep them. The people in this place will tell you all kinds of lies about what happened. About me. But it's important that you ignore them. They didn't live through it. I did. So keep that in mind going forward. I had hit a string of bad luck a few months before. I lost four jobs in half as many months, none of them my fault, mind you, and was understandably strapped for cash by that point, and that's how I ended up taking the night guard position at the Pleasant Acres nursing home. I've always thought the name Pleasant Acres had to be a joke, you know? Like this building was crammed between two apartment buildings in the inner city and was a squat three stories. I don't think you could see a patch of grass from anywhere near that place, and you couldn't throw a rock without hitting another building. But someone had the stones to call it Pleasant Acres. and <laughs> you know, That's comedy if I've ever heard it. The only joke funnier than that one is the fact that I somehow find myself working in a joint full of old people. You know, after all the years I spent avoiding the elderly like I could catch their age, I got to spend every night in a creepy old building filled with them. Now, I don't know what I did in a past life to deserve that kind of cosmic comeuppance, but I promise you, after what I've been through, that I'll be a complete angel in the next one. Anyway, I'll cut to the point. I got the job and started the next day. I came in at 8 each evening and worked until 4 in the morning. Then I came back later that night and I just did it again. The nightly rounds were monotonous enough. I basically walked a beat within the facility, checking the entrances and exits every hour and making sure there were no imminent threats to the well-being of the residents. The place was creepy too. The hall lights ran dimmer during the night so the pale fluorescent glow turned into an ominous dim flickering that casted long shadows off of anything in its path. It was pretty quiet most of the time, so you could hear every cough and snore in the rooms, and sometimes you'd hear the faint rattles and shuffles of one of the residents somewhere in the facility having a late night stroll. It was uh, definitely not a cozy workplace. The night shift was just me and a skeleton crew of four nurses tasked with taking care of a group around around 100 geriatric patients, most of whom could barely get around or do basic activities on their own, hence the assisted living. Nights were overall pretty relaxed around there. The nurses on duty all hung out in their small little bullpen. And waited for the array of lights on a console to flash and alert them that someone was awake and requesting some kind of assistance. Now, it seemed to happen two or three times an hour that one of the patients would wake up and need help going to the bathroom, or decide that they had enough sleep and wanted to roam the halls of the nursing home for a little while. That's where I got a majority of my day today, or night tonight rather interaction of the residents of pleasant acres they'd be placed in a wheelchair or given their walker and be set loose i'd pass them while making my rounds and be forced to make a little bit of awkward small talk in an odd whisper shout that you could really only manage when talking to an old person at night while trying not to disturb all the other old people trying to sleep So this is the part where I've been told I start to sound just a little crazy. So I'm just going to cut right to the chase and lay it all out for you. Something about that place turned the patients crazy at night. Everyone keeps saying they were just sundowning. But I've seen sundowning before. And that wasn't it. Now I'm not talking about them getting confused and agitated because their circadian something or other was off. I'm talking about hatred. About pure malice manifesting in the failing body of a person too weak to care for themselves. You remember that awkward small talk I mentioned having to make with the residents? Well, that's where the malice comes in. Every now and then, in the midst of one of those polite conversations, the resident I was talking to would suddenly change. Their demeanor would shift from the restless wariness of someone who slept more than enough for a lifetime to that of a violent criminal behind bars. Like they've been locked away as punishment for something that they absolutely did. And there's nothing they'd like more than to get free and tear your throat out. Sounds crazy, right? Well, I swear on my life it's true. I remember a man named Wilson who was out one night shuffling through the hall on the third floor when I stopped to talk to him. There was the standard opening with me cracking a joke about burning the midnight oil, and him chuckling and telling me that he's pretty sure sleep is stepping out on him for someone way younger. We talked for a few minutes before Wilson grabbed my wrist, looked me dead in the eyes, and told me about all the ways he'd like to kill me. I managed to break free of his surprisingly tight grip before hurrying around the corner and radioing the nurse's station to let them know that he should probably be sent back to bed. I checked my wrists in the bathroom later the next morning, and I saw the distinct handprint bruises he had left on my skin. And that was just the beginning. After a few weeks of interactions that went from uncomfortable to terrifying, things started to take a turn for the worse at Pleasant Acres. The isolated incidents of aggression and misbehavior were becoming more frequent, and had even started escalating. A strict curfew was enforced for the residents, and plenty of them had to be restrained and confined to their beds in order to keep them from attempting to hurt themselves or others. So I asked the nurses their opinions on what was going on, but none of them wanted to talk for very long. They all seemed to be more spooked about it than I was. Only one of them, Marda. Ever really gave me the time of day before the incident started, but even she seemed preoccupied every time I tried to talk about how creepy the residents were being. Whatever was going on must have stumped them, too. Now I decided I'd come in while I was off the clock to see what it was like during the day. Maybe I'd get some answers then. I went in half expecting to find out that things were just as bad during the day, but instead, I learned that things were disturbingly normal. None of your typical problem residents had a hair out of place on their heads and not a single member of the day shift had anything weird to report. That was when I spotted him, the old man that had bruised my wrist. Wilson was sitting on the couch watching television with a few other residents. I walked over and sat down next to him and started up a conversation what I expected was an awkward salutation followed by an apology but all I got was a blank look and an introduction he had no recollection of who I was at all (laughs) can you believe that? after looking me in the eye and threatening my life that old geezer couldn't even be bothered to remember me Wondering if Wilson was an isolated case or not, I checked in with a few other residents. Some of them actually did remember meeting me during the night shift, but none of them seemed to have a memory of their own behaviors, or even of being restrained. I left that day with more questions than answers, but one thing was strikingly clear. Whatever was going on at Pleasant Acres was only happening after dark. Going into work that night felt a lot to me, like entering an insane asylum, one I of course now know is a lot more relaxed than movie-fueled stereotypes had led me to believe. Given what I know now, then I think it's more fair to say that it was like going to an insane asylum in a horror movie. Now that I had confirmation that the increasing agitation of the residents was limited to the middle of the night, all I had to do was find out why. The energy in the nursing home was tense from the moment I entered. The nursing staff had few words to share with me, and the residents themselves were already agitated. It was like the building itself was coiling itself up and preparing to pounce on an unsuspecting victim. The building was about to learn that I am no victim. And so after feeling the tension in the air, I went out to the trunk of my car and grabbed my tire iron, slipped it discreetly into my bag, and I walked inside. While I was technically the security guard. They never actually gave me any weapons. All I had was a flashlight, a radio to contact the nurse's station, and my phone to contact the police if anything actually happened. Now I don't know about you, but I never relished the idea of hunkering down and calling the police. If something's breaking bad in my neck of the woods, I'm taking care of that stuff myself and I knew just the man to talk to about taking care of the problem, too. Waiting until the nurses were busy with calls on the first two floors, I made my way up to the third floor and paid Mr. Wilson a visit. I could hear him growl as I approached the door, and he was snarling by the time I had opened it and made my way to his bedside. The facade of humanity had dropped entirely by that point, But I could tell what I was really looking at was a demon. Sure, the old man was likely still in there somewhere, but he had lost control weeks ago. I pulled the tire iron out of my bag and waved it in front of the thing that was wearing Wilson's face, and I said, Listen up, you sick freak. I'm going to untie you and let you loose. But only if you take me to the source of all of this, and if you make one wrong move, I'll send you straight back to hell myself, he growled out in agreement and I untied him before stepping out of the way and brandishing the tire iron. The thing wearing Wilson's face glared at me through his eyes before getting out of bed and moving without aid. No walker, just surprising speed. I followed him to the service stairwell on the back corner of the building. The nurses all used the elevator near the front, so there was no chance of running into them on our way down. The Wilson demon led me all the way down the stairs to the very bottom where we came across a locked door that led to the boiler room. He grabbed the knob and snapped it off without a struggle. The crumpled knob clattered to the ground as the door swung open and the two of us made our way into the boiler room and saw hell itself. Now this is the next part that makes people think I'm crazy. Everything else they could kind of rationalize away. The violent shifts in behavior were just sundown spells and the tying of patients to their beds was just malpractice done by nurses who were understaffed and underpaid. Some therapists have even tried to tell me that maybe what I saw in the boiler room was a manifestation of my own guilt and religious trauma that helped me rationalize setting the building on fire. But they're all full of it. I saw hell bleeding into our world. It was like looking at a double exposed picture where the two images both occupy the same space at the same time. I could see the boiler room clear as day, but I could also see the lake of fire. The Wilson demon attacked me while my guard was down and tried to throw me over the rail and into the lake, and that's when I had to make good on my promise. One swing of the tire iron to the head was all it took to send the thing back to where it came from. And that was when the hellfire flared out at me, like burning hands trying to grab holds and pull me down with Wilson's body. I barely managed to dodge the flames and make my way to the street outside before the whole building was ablaze. The nurses all made it out too, but they were hauled off to jail in the morning when the firefighters found that all the charred remains of the residence were still tied to their beds and of course you know the rest they tried me for first degree arson and several counts of murder my lawyers decided the best way to help me was to spin a web of lies about my instability and delusions it worked though and now I get to live out my days in peace here getting interviewed by folks like you who never believed me either